You are listening to the weekly Great Governance podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. Okay, so today on our podcast, we are speaking to Marlene LaRue. And for those who do not know Marlene, the name Marlene LaRue is synonymous with student activism, arts, disability, everything about leadership. And she is there, say as Dabaitak, and she is out there making things happen. And this podcast is about great governance, not good. And we're going to talk about governance. Welcome to our platform, Marlene. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's actually quite an honor for me to be interviewed by Dr. Kluter. Because doctor. I do admire you tremendously. Thank you for the kind words, uh, Dr. LaRue. Governance. You know, if I say governance, it's a contested terrain. What does it mean to you? For me, it's about respect, dignity, and it first starts with your own values. How do you value yourself? So for, for us, you need to look at where does it start when we look at leadership. And for me, it starts in our homes as well. It starts in what do you embody as parents and what principles and values do you walk the talk with your children. That's, that's number one for me. The second aspect is that we in South Africa, where we are now, we shift blame. Everything, it's about what is the government doing wrong. My thing is that turn it around. Where you are, what change are you making? Our emphasis, I always say, when we have moved from the transition from 1994, it happened actually before 1994, up till we are now, we have been part of this beautiful land of South Africa. But we needed to actually cut our teeth into a government that we had from apartheid and into a new South Africa. And then we spoke about the Rainbow Nation, but we never really unpacked what we meant with a Rainbow Nation. We've also never unpacked that we have 11 languages with the 12th language, which is sign language. Then geographically, apartheid was brilliant because it captured our mindsets and it captured the way we're thinking about each other and how we're stereotyping each other. So now, where are we now in South Africa? I think that's a good question, you know. You were very close to Bishop Tutu and he actually coined this term, the Rainbow Nation. But, you know, it's almost 30 years. Are we this Rainbow Nation? We're definitely not this Rainbow Nation. We must say to ourselves, we are a nation that is moving towards to find our soul of a South African identity. Because why am I saying this? At the moment, as I'm sitting here, we are struggling with multiple identities. Mm. We're putting ourselves into boxes about the certain grading of the color of our skins. And for me, it's about this, not little struggles, big struggles. It's about what are we doing now? Where are we finding our spaces now? Poverty doesn't know color. And how do we bring, if we talk about even just this town, how do we bring the Humbukweni the Wellington, the Paul, the different areas together. How do we demystify our townships, if I want to say to it? Because those are the names that we need to start to abolish. I want to be clear about that. We need to talk about areas, 
about homes, we need to talk about what do we mean to plant a tree. Because if we look at our previous disadvantage and still disadvantaged areas, we're looking at sewage that is not working. We're looking at there's no trees, there's no really parks. We're talking about gangsterism. Where does that come from? So my point that I want to make, when we coined the word Rainbow Nation, we coined it basically to say we're from different cultural backgrounds because of the apartheid era and we were put into these geographical trapped areas. But we never unpacked to walk in the shoes of each other. And one thing I would like to state here, we talk about never ever about positive cultural experiences. When we talk, we're not born with culture. We're not born with religion. We're not born with language. You are inculturated. We now need to look at our job when we talk about leadership is about how do we move these boundaries. Don't say to me, it's not my culture when you're abusive. Or don't say to me, in my culture, women must act in this way. In my culture, in my church, I don't accept gay people. So where is the humanity? We are governed also by a constitution. It is the most prolific, the most progressive constitution. We have never unpacked that by saying, how are we going on ground level, going to steer this constitution in order for us as people of South Africa meeting each other. I'm not even talking about, now we're part of Africa. My good grief, when I talk about people, we are part of Africa. There are people that say, ah, uh -uh, I'm not part of Africa. Then I said, but we are part of Africa. This is our work that we need to do. So, Dr. Kruter, what I want to say actually is that we have work to do, even in our families. The brides that we attended, that when we are with our friends and our family members, then we need to call each other out by saying, you can't use these words. We can't say, us and them anymore we can't but what are we teaching our children my main thing is this you don't get racist kids you get racist parents and when we talk about leaders leaders are still defining themselves that they're only looking at a group where they come from you're not a leader for me okay so having worked so closely with the archbishop tutu over many years what are the qualities that you have taken from them into your own leadership and your own role as governor? Be truthful. Always walk the talk. When there's no media, when there is no one that is going to say to you, well done, you must do the right thing. And that is what I've learned. It's not easy to live truthful mm. because you're not going to have many friends. Because people want to short circuit stuff. And for me, it is about also servant leadership is important. The cleaning lady is not a cleaning lady for me. She's the most important person for me at Artscape. Because when you come to Artscape and you want to experience humanity and you go to the toilet and there's no toilet paper, who's the most important person? It's the cleaning lady who needs to be the person that's providing the toilet paper, not the director of the Nutcracker or this big show of the Lion King. But it's that cleaning lady. So how do you see people? Do you see people according to titles? Or do you see people for the person and the character they are? And it's that way is that every job is of utter importance. When it comes to persons with disabilities, 
is about. It's the most vulnerable persons in our society. Do they have a job? Or does companies only pay the penalties? We have 16 days of activism in South Africa now that we must stop abusing women and children mm. and especially also persons with disabilities. We must also remember in this period in December is the abolishment of slavery. But we have daily slavery every single day. How much do you pay your domestic worker, your executive that is working in your home. These are the small changes that we need to make in our homes. But what we're talking, we're always talking big level stuff. We don't want to look. It's the small things that's, that's going to be truthful yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Okay, so, so if we look at your role, I'm going to focus on your current role. We can go down many avenues, but I want to focus on the arts and governance and local government. Do you think that municipalities, for example, are doing enough to support the arts because the arts is always at the back seat? Is it important if my daily struggle is about hunger and food and jobs? Where does the arts fit in, in terms of governance? The arts is about confidence. The arts, if you're a poet, the arts is also about spatial environment. If you have a planner that's working at the municipality, just I want to make an example, and you never ever have been in a visual class of being exposed to visual artists or to music or to dance because it's about space, it's about rhythm, it's about you won't be able to plan that particular new housing extension that you need to do because it's spatial intelligence that you need to have. So when I speak about the importance of the arts, I need to educate people as well because even if you are an IT programmer, what do you need to do? You need to have a sense of arts. What you're listening to, you're listening to musicians, listening to music. The GDP of the UK is being driven by artists. Okay. But what is happening in South Africa? Samro is not working. And secondly, the municipalities can't just see artists only as gigs. It should be a profession. It should be where artists, and that's why I'm involved now, where we want to make artists to be professionals as well, but also to teach artists that you are entrepreneurs. You are your walking marketing tool yourself. And for the municipalities, I want to say, everybody needs to have an artist that's part of your board. That's part that you need to employ. Why am I saying this? Technicians, for instance, municipalities have all these particular meetings that they have. They need sound, technical technicians, sound engineering, all of that. And that is where the Platteland Amso, the rural area is so important to me because we're only looking at urban areas all the time. Equip our young people, open up doors for them. Open up artists by saying you can sing well, but it's important that you write down your music. It is important that you sell yourself. An artist can sell anything. An artist, can you be your best PR person? So what I'm saying also, if you invest in your artists, the best thing that you can sell your policies to the people is through the arts. Okay, so, you know, the art is often seen as very elitist. You know, it's in the theatre. What has Artscape done over the years to make it more an inclusive space, inviting others into your space? Or is it just for those that have money? Do you have a program to get communities involved? What of course, that's where I come from. I come from um, the place Wellington where I grew up with the Klopse, the brass community, the brass bands, the Christmas bands, the choirs in the schools all over. And for me, it's not, Artscape is just a building. 
And for us, when I started there, I had a program and I'm still having the program, taking the theater to the people. And we take the best technicians and in that way, we train up technical staff when we are all over in the Western Cape. We travel from Sauron to Cirrus, Wellington Paul, we were here, Marmersbury, all over. And what are we saying? We make use of the artists in that particular community. And we say we stage you with the best. But with the arts that we're staging, we're bringing in indigenous arts. We're bringing in the classical arts. We're bringing in contemporary dancing. All the arts. Because no arts is above another arts. And that is important for me is to look at leveling the playing fields. But doing with that is that we must still remember in the geographical areas, especially in the rural areas, we are still divided by the train lines. That we are divided. So what did we do? We always rig the stage in the most disadvantaged areas. The reason for it, that you can walk mm. to the production. And also that we can mix our areas. For me, if we are not going to have programs where we mix our youngsters, we are going to be trapped. If you're poor and you're brown skin, you're going to be in that area. If you're black and you are poor, you are going to be trapped in that particular Isikosa area. So what am I saying? We need to start to break down the divide. And what can do it best? It's through the arts. When people sing and when people dance together, all those stereotypes just fall away. Is that it, falls, it falls away because when you sing together, mm. you have one goal. When you have sports, you are competitive. Mm. I think you've also done a program recently, Arts Ability. Tell us about the work that you've done in the Arts Ability space. The Arts Ability space is that we have Unmutus and Associated Companies for Professional Dancers with Disabilities. And I was fortunate actually to be trained in 2012 already in England that I'm one of four artistic directors that's been trained to work specifically in all kinds with persons with disabilities to stage productions with artists with disabilities. What I then have direct with a New Yorker, Paula Pristini, she composed this particular opera and we dedicated actually to my son Adam who would have been 21 this year, he was severely cerebral palsy, he couldn't see, he couldn't do anything for himself, but he could breathe and he had a life and he could communicate it with me. So what we did with this particular opera, it's the first time in the world that I've produced it with Paula. She asked me actually to come and produce it in New York. I said, no, how on earth will my people have money to go over? So I said, no, I don't want to be paid. You come over, you give me the money in order to give that money to persons with disabilities to be staged. I worked like a dog, Dr. Kluter, really. Mm. But I wanted the best. We took Adam's voice because it was about non-verbal and we took it over Maria Callas and I had a blind opera singer. I had dancers in wheelchairs and it was about humanity. It's about when you are given the platform, irrespective whether what kind of disabilities you have, we showcase your ability. Mm. So governance being both art and science, you know, off air we talked about egos and leadership and sacrifice and servant leadership that you also touched on. What are the challenges for South African leaders, would you say? South African leaders, if you, if you are a leader at your company or at a university, forget about your ego. 
You need to serve your students and you need to serve the persons that you need to lead. So you must say to yourself, you need to leave your baggage at the door. I want to make an example of myself. When I step into the spaces where I need to lead, I can't go say I am disabled. I've been discriminated. Those time I'm 55 years old in apartheid era. I've been dirt poor. Hello, I have a job. Now lead. Nah? And by the way, I'm a woman as well. So I've ticked all the boxes with BE, but it passed me by. I'm not a multimillionaire. I don't have money. But what I want to say to you is that you need to lead by example. Everyone that reports to you or who you need to lead must be of utmost importance to you. But now I want to say to you, I look at equality and equity. At some point, when that person enters the space, there is no equity. Then I must know the person that's got equality, and that's economics. I need to give the person that doesn't have transport and the tools to be equal. So you first need to look at how am I going to make this young person equal to the advantage young person. And then it reaches a point where they all on one basis. Then I say to them, now you need to be my leaders in the country. Mm. So it's important that we need to understand servant leadership. Secondly, don't take from the poor man. It is greed is a terrible thing. How many cars can you drive? How many houses can you live in? What example are you for our country? My last thing on this, when you look at Artscape, it's not just about productions. It's about engineers. We are land that is actually reclaimed land because we're on the foreshore. So I work with engineers. I need to know the building. Secondly, I need to know on how water and lights. I run a business, number one. Then if that artist step on that stage is health and safety that I need to look at. I need to rig that stage. Then lights, for instance. Four years ago, everybody laughed at me when we got money, a little bit of money of Capital Works. I said generators. So what I want to say to you now, everybody comes to Artscape because you need to be forward thinking because we have generators. It kicks in without you even knowing this load shedding. So what I'm saying to you, if you work in a team, I have a brilliant team. I am not Artscape. I have a team that I work with. And if you be able to shed yourself, life becomes easier. And don't take yourself so serious, man. Who do you think you are? We must all humble ourselves. And this is the important thing. We also got a clean audit. So on the one side, I need to get that clean audit from a business side. On the other side, we don't get money for produce arts. And that is the myth that people have. And then the third aspect is that it must be a home for artists, but it's also a home for NGOs. So we re-looked at our space and say, this is a wonderful asset. Sweat the asset. So NGOs, having space, having meetings, it gives it a different energy. It gives it a new way of looking. Like for instance, Boogie. People come to Boogie just to have fun, but they always meet at Artscape a person from a different language, from a different geographical area, from a different culture, and that debate then starts. Marlene, little final thoughts. You know, as a leader, I'm sure it, it gets very lonely sometimes. How do you cope in the lonely times when you doubt yourself? How do you re-energize? How do you cope? 
my my home space is for me very sacred. I'm also not a person that's on social media a lot, and I have very good friends, and my family is for me of utmost importance. And I come home, I go to come to Wellington, and they I'm I'm just my linky man, I'm just my linky, and that's how I re-energize myself. And also I I've learned over the years is that. Everything is not just hunky dory, and sometimes that person didn't mean it malicious, and that's why I really don't take myself too serious. I've also learned in order to say I am sorry, I've made a mistake, and move on, and also to pick up the phone to congratulate somebody else. But when I'm at my home, I reflect. I can say to you, I meditate. I'm a spiritual person, and. My journey was also always faith-based, and it's my faith that carries me out a lot. I also, as you know, I'm post-polio, and I look around me, and I always see there's somebody worse, worse off than me. Marlene Rue, what I can say of you, you are real, you are authentic, you are a leader, a role model. And thank you so much for all for all that you do for the people around you, the love and light that you share. It's uh, it's something very special. We love you and thank you very much for making time to come and say hello to us. Thank you so much. Blessings to you. I want to say, never let anyone take your laughter away from you. Thank you so much. <laughs> to the amazing and talented Great Governance Team, the voice Mpumilali and producer Al Ontong, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great, right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn. <laughs>